All right, my friends, coming up on a fresh episode of Devil's Puck Luck, we welcome in Neil Villapiano from Devil's State of Mind podcast. You know him. Now it's just about chopping it up with us, taking a look at where he thought this team was going coming into the season and what's going on with Timo Meyer. Maybe a little talk about Coach Ruff as well. We dive into it all coming up next. Yes, sir. It is DPL, the Devil's Puck Luck Podcast, where, of course, we are your hosts. Over here, it's Adam Marmick breaking down the Nets over the Locked On Nets podcast, the Giants on the One Giant podcast. And I'm joined by Danny McDonough. Who is he? The 20-year season ticket holder. Happens to be my cousin as well, and that's actually a drawback when it comes to kicking this thing off. How are you, man? We haven't mentioned that. Often, you know, it's, it's, I like that you just kind of throw it in there, you know. Frankly, it's neither here nor there. Let's not bother <laughs> with any of uh, some of the extracurriculars because, as we said at the top, we've got Neil Villapiano from the Devil's State of Mind podcast. We welcome him in right this second, sir. How are you, man? Welcome to the show. I'm doing great, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. I absolutely love that there are even more podcasts and just more coverage of this Devil's team. I'm super excited to obviously talk to Hawk talk devils and obviously talk about everything that's going on i do want to say though i am a subscriber of locked on nets so i appreciate the nets i am a nets fan uh you know even when they were still in new jersey uh i'm pretty much a local new jersey sports fan so you know i i appreciate um i appreciate locked on nets and uh, everything you guys do over there but i'm i'm excited to be on here uh, i'm honored and uh i'm ready to go to talk some devils hockey we better believe it, man. Yeah, uh, New Jersey through and through. Back to back to the Kerry Kittle days, back to the Kendall Gill days, Ooh. back to the Keith Van Horn high sock wearing days, right? You got to be a little Draws bit and Petrovich days. There wow, you go. Okay, and you want to go deep dive. Now, uh, we, we were talking about before we started, though, there's an age gap here. We don't need to say how many years they are. But, so when you throw out some, some old school names, we're going to be talking devils here, but sports in general. Are you a guy that deep dives back into the history of the team, even beyond your years? Because for me personally, you know, I, I go back about 10 years old, not because I don't like the teams before then. I can't remember. Yeah, me too. I can't remember either. <laughs> I'll give you one good example that probably will answer your question. Fun fact for anybody that doesn't know, Tom Curvers used to play for the New Jersey Devils many, many years ago, was traded to the Toronto Maple Leafs for a first round pick. That first round pick became Scott Niedemeyer. So you could thank the Toronto Maple Leafs for for getting for for us getting Scott Niedermeyer. Um, there was also a time when the Devils were trying to tank along with the Pittsburgh Penguins to potentially acquire potentially draft uh, Mario Lemieux. They ended up second overall and drafted Kirk Muller, which kind of worked out for them anyway. Um, you know, so it all kind of worked out there. Uh, geez, what else could I say? What else could I say? To- That's um, crazy. So you're, you're throwing these names. I love this. Oh, yeah. Too. You know, it's, it's oh, yeah. a younger fan of hearing this too. For This is great. Wait, so hold on, hold on. First of all, here's the big thing for me. Who is prior to 2010, your favorite devil prior to 2010? Prior to 2010. That's a really, that's a really good question. Um, it, it's on, it honestly is. I, I would say, I mean, I'm not going to, you know, it would be very easy for me to say Marty. I mean, Marty is my all time favorite devil. 
And, you know, he's the reason that I got into the Devils. He's the reason I got into hockey and started playing the sport, um, which I can go into greater detail later on. Um, but prior to 2009, I would probably say Peter Sikora. I'd oh, probably say Peter Sikora of the Arnett line, you know, with Patrick Elias and Jason Arnett. And the reason why is because he was a guy, even when he came back to the Devils in 2012, whenever you needed a, a big time goal, when your got when your top guys weren't scoring, he would come up and deliver. He'd get those grimy goals, really good at deflections. I, I always looked at him as a guy that reminded me when I look at him now, he reminds me of, you know, the way Joe Pavelski plays a guy stands Absolutely. in front of the net, gets really good deflections. And, uh, you know, we obviously have that big memory game six, 2000 Stanley cup final, Darian Hatcher, absolutely obliterates um peter sakura ends up in the hospital and uh he never got he never got a chance at the time to lift lord stanley's cup but i'm glad the devils a couple years ago i think it was right before the pandemic uh they gave an opportunity to take a skate around uh the devil's ice with the cup so that was great so yeah i would say peter sakura who's yours going back pre-20 i just love that neil's like super well versed too in these old teams you know this is great to hear neil i love it you put him on you put him on the spot i, by I the love way, the fandom is, too it's, it's rude. great yeah i have a I'm also a big peter stastny guy as well in case anybody I didn't know I'm, I'm a big stastny guy that i i was shocked when i found out that he had played for the devils yeah he did so i have a few here's here's a funny one mike peluso remember mike peluso number eight mike peluso from anchorage alaska yeah, yeah that's awesome he, the bruiser on that team i loved watching mike peluso play i loved randy mckay too watching randy mckay play mm. so you know those are a couple two guys for me dougie gilmore remember dougie gilmore too? dougie gilmore yeah he was traded yeah. from i think he was at toronto at the time yeah, he was yeah. and it was what 97 98? It was yeah. 97. No, yeah. 98. He was traded. 98. I knew it was during the period from 95 to 2000 when we didn't, when Lou would just every, all, every deadline, get a big name guy, <laughs> Dave Andrew Chuck, uh, you know, Dougie Gilmore. Yeah. Um, and then he even uh, eventually got, he brought back Claude Lemieux, which helped him win a second Stanley cup. Crazy, uh, but yeah. that was when he was really fishing for those, old big names that sort of worked at times. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there was the ups and downs of the Lou era, which we all know, but in Lou, we trusted, you know, and it's, there's no one like Lou. That's for damn sure. Right. Adam, what about you though? Who's, who's your guy? No, you mentioned it before. Elias was always my guy growing up. I just, and in that note, it's like, that's like, an easy high profile guy. Like you said, you don't want to go to Marty Brodeur because that'd be really easy. There's, there's some, I mean, that whole entire era was great. Niedemeyer was always fantastic, but I mean, it's all the name brand guys. Yeah, we sure. were there for the 20th anniversary game at uh, the rock, at the Prudential center. Yep. I made the joke Ooh. at the time. It's funny that these guys are there being celebrated in an arena that they never played in because yeah. it's only a 15 year old arena, but right. you know, those are for the most part, just tied to my memories. Like there's, yeah. we've talked about this on the show, the difference between, sports memories which they are but then they also become embedded with like your yeah. childhood memories Absolutely. you know watching no your question. teams and, and realizing maybe your emotions are a little bit too hardwired into the successes yeah. of what right. you see i um, think also another guy that just you know really quickly that stands out to me is uh is sean burke and i say sean burke because and, and a lot of devils fans especially people my age but I, but it's interesting that i know this um, he was one of the first Devils goalies that people really loved because he had done really well with the United States national team. Yep. And then he came to New Jersey and helped the Devils get into the playoffs for the first time in franchise history in the, in, in the you know, mid to late 80s. 
Um, he was a really good goaltender. Like he wasn't, obviously he's not a hall of famer by any means, but he played a pretty long time. And he was kind of one of those first guys that New Jersey fans really, you know, rallied around and was a big factor in helping the devils go from the quote unquote Mickey mouse organization to being a respected franchise in NHL history. Dude, Neil, you're throwing it back for me, man. I'm thinking about things I haven't thought about in a long time. I'm like, wow. I wasn't alive for any of these things, by the way. I'm thinking in my head, I'm like, oh, man, we're old because I remember this, you know? And I remember, like, you know, my dad talking about it and everything, too, and, and my family talking. But that's crazy. Yeah. All right. But uh, but enough about the old days. Yeah, right? sure. <laughs> Let's talk about everything not related to this season. But that's what can happen a lot of times in, in a great way. Um, but what we wanted to start with this was because this team is having – an incredible season, arguably. Yeah. And we saw um friend and fr- you know, friend of the show, as we like to refer, Andrew Timoni was pointing mm-hmm. out like the devils are maybe chasing down a historic season when it comes yeah. to total points. Coming into this year, though, off of where they were last year, team that showed some pluck, a little bit of a spark early, and then you know, <laughs> faded when it mattered most. What were right. your expectations coming into this year after they get VTech, after they add Marino, right. they get Hala? Did that change your perception of this team significantly, or was it a okay, better pieces, some interesting pieces, but now let's see how they produce on the ice. I would think I would go with the latter on that one. Um, You know, I definitely felt like the Devils improved. I felt like that they had certainly, um, you know, gotten better in certain degrees. Um, I didn't know what to think of John Marino when we acquired him. I didn't think it was a bad move. I was definitely a little disappointed only because I felt like maybe we were giving up on Ty Smith too early, but just goes to show I'm not the GM of this team. So, I mean, it clearly, if they had listened to me, maybe they would have uh, not had the success. But John, John Marino, <laughs> really got, Vitek Vanacek, I knew. I had seen him play before. I knew who he was. Um, it was just kind of one of those situations where we took advantage of the Capitals, just not really interested in having him anymore. So, again, you're kind of going into the season, kind of finger, you're, you have everything crossed in the hope that, you know, not only does he not get hurt, but that he actually might be decent. That yep. was kind of the yep. thing. You know, and, and obviously we all wanted Johnny Gaudreau in the offseason. I would be lying to you if I said I didn't want Johnny Gaudreau when he was right there. First day of free agency. Nobody else was mentioned at like four <laughs> o'clock. Everything seemed like it was just a matter of time. And then Columbus, for some reason, Johnny Gaudreau wants to play in Ohio. But that's his choice. Not mine. Not my preference. Uh, but nonetheless. And then around this time... When I say time, I mean time, actual time. Um, I'm still the first day for agency. The Devils signed Andre Pilat, which I was actually like, you know what? A guy who's been to the cup final the last three years, won two Stanley Cups, been through it all. We need more veteran leadership in this locker room. We have too mm-hmm. many young players. Not a disrespect, but we have too many guys who are inexperienced. We need some experienced guys. Mm-hmm. And then trading away Pavel Zaka. I was so happy. I'm, I'm <laughs> sorry. I was, I was completely done with Pavel Zaka. You know, good for him that he's having success in Boston. It just wasn't going to work out in New Jersey. Just simple. You get seven years and nothing happens. It's time to make a change. And I knew that Eric Hall had a pretty decent season in Boston. He had like 20-plus goals last year in Boston. But I knew that wasn't going to be the case here. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and, and obviously getting Andrew Burnett as an associate coach was a massive, massive hire. We were Really pumped about that. Ryan McGill, I knew he had done a very good job with the defensive core in, in Vegas. Yep. So going into the season, I said, this is a team that I think can make the playoffs as a wild card team. We're in the division of death, as I call it. 
I call the Metropolitan Division the Division of Death with how, and even now, like, look at where we are now. Look at all the teams that are in it. There's a chance that we get five teams from the Metro alone going to the playoffs this year. Um, so I definitely felt like it was a year where we had to take that step forward. We couldn't take another step back. We couldn't miss the playoffs because otherwise major changes were going to have to be made. I definitely felt like no matter what the situation um, occurred, that Lindy Ruff was probably not going to be here after this season. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's definitely something that I'm sure people will want to get my opinion on um, (laughs) now, considering where everything is. But for me, it was just simply getting the playoffs. That was it. That was my expectation. I didn't care how we didn't did it. I didn't care what it looked like. All I cared about, I want Devils playoff hockey. I want this team to finally take that next step with this core. Let's get it going. We have all this talent. Everybody says, analytically speaking, we're so good. We're dominant. But we're not winning games actually on the ice. I was was the same way you were, Neil. I was the same way you were. And and you know what's funny to think about? Not to cut you off. I'm sorry. but No, it's fine. Lindy Ruff, right? It goes from fire Lindy to I'm sorry, Lindy, pretty quickly right in the beginning of the season, you know, the whole coaching thing. And the funny thing is, too, it's you look at where we are now, and I had the same expectation as you. I'm like, let's get in the playoff. Let's grind out the season. We can be a good number two wild card. We can be a good number one wild card. We're going to have a chance to beat an elite team. But now we're talking about we are one of those elite teams in the Metro. Isn't that crazy to think about, Adam? Well, Denise, listen, in the Metro division, if it's it's the division of death, According to Neil, I love that. That's where the devil reigns supreme, though. I mean, yeah, it's, Neil. It's, that's called. It's a little bit of a thing I like to do here. I work <laughs> in it because some phrases, some sayings. I've been doing some impressions okay. lately that I think are absolutely crushing it. Yeah, we'll talk um, about that later. Sean Connery. I maybe appreciate it. I don't want to. Thank you. Um, but so to your point, then, so you like that, and then VTech, just on him, real quick, because it's funny. In recent, like, I, I want to get your opinions on where you think he is in the state of his game. There's been some ups and downs with him, but I went back. You're talking about getting him from the when you talk about getting him from the Capitals. He has the exact same save percentage that he had every season before coming here. Yes. 0.908. Now, whether or not it's been consistent enough all the way through, that's a different story. And then even the goals against as well. They're actually gotten better, right? Marginally better from 2.69 down to (laughs) 2.52. Like, do you think that the fan base is is being (laughs) reasonable? And we've had the discussion when he has struggled – but I'm hard-pressed to consistently point solely to him. I find when he struggles, the team is usually struggling as well. Like, there is a balance here. Yeah. We've been excited about Schmidt, certainly. Like, I can have that conversation and not necessarily hate the idea of playing the hot hand when it comes to the playoffs. But it feels like VTech, as we mentioned, rough there. They're both kind of riding the wave of how is the team performing. You're one of the first guys we're going to point to. And he's obviously been in a lot of situations where you look at his performances and say, if you're going to be that guy for us between the pipes, then there are moments like two games ago, yeah. not the last game, but two games ago where he said, holy right. crap, there you go, stepping up in big spots yeah. throughout the game. You know, first of all, I love VTech ju- just simply because he wears my uncle's number. Uh, fun fact for anybody that doesn't know, my uncle played in the National Football League for over a decade. Uh, Phil Villapiano, who wore 41 for the Oakland Raiders. Um, so. Anybody wearing is that, is that, what 41? Is that like fullback? Maybe a safety linebacker. Like, left left outside linebacker. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Very nice. He played on the 76 team that won Super Bowl eleven. He played with, you know, he he was coached by John Madden, played with, you know, uh Kenny Stabler, Dave Casper, that great offensive line. Just just a little fun fact for anybody that doesn't yeah. know that. Um, but look, 
VTech has been way more than what we could have asked him to. And I know right now, over the last six, seven starts he's had, he's looked shaky. I get it. Last night against Toronto, against Tampa, wasn't great. But let me just be very clear. When Blackwood came back, Mackenzie Blackwood came back from this, not this injury, but the injury before, and he played a couple really good games, he didn't win a lot of them. Why? Because the defense in many times failed him. Now, you're starting to see that more with VTech, where he's having the defense fail. Let me just state this. Should VTech have stopped three of the four goals that l- last night? Yeah. But at the same time, to quote Lindy Ruff, he's not the one making stupid passes that result in two-on-ones. <laughs> yeah. Two of the three goals were two-on-ones. This was, And Dougie Hamilton, who just doesn't play defense for whatever reason, uh, but then again, we don't pay him to play defense, apparently. Uh, this is just... One of the, that was one of those games where it just looked like when the defense and the team is not playing well in front of him, it becomes a little bit more challenging. That's not a knock on VTech. I think also, I said this on an episode last week, that VTech, he's already played more games than he's ever played in his entire career. This is only his yeah. third year in the NHL. He's learning how to be that number one guy. So is this a learning process for him? Yes. Is it a learning process for the team? Yes. All this stuff. And you mentioned Akira Schmidt and riding the hot hand. Look at the last time the Devils made the playoffs in 17-18. Corey Schneider was our number one guy to go into the season. Midway through the year, gets hurt. Yeah. Keith Kincaid goes on that unbelievable stretch where he's one of the best goaltenders in the league, just statistically. What do the Devils do when Corey comes back? They ride the hot hand of, of Keith Kincaid. He struggles. They go back to Corey. He plays well, coming in relief in game two. They win game three. He was solid the rest of the way, and that's how it happens. So, in my opinion, whoever the hot hand is when the playoffs start is who I would go with. Whether that's VTech, whether that's Akira, whether it's Mackenzie Blackwood, if and when he ever comes back from injury, mm-hmm. we don't know. So, overall, with VTech Vanacek, I have had just such a relief watching him you know, be in net. Like even last night, it didn't really irritate me as much as maybe it irritated some other people on social media. I told everybody to calm down, but you know, sometimes being the voice of reason doesn't necessarily work out, but that's yeah, besides the point. That is besides, we were, you know, we, 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 were, exact we, were, yeah. Yeah, we were talking about that too. Everybody just needs to slow down and relax. It's the, okay. It, this is going to sound like a knock on people my age, but it is the younger generation who yeah. has done nothing but experience this team embarrassing themselves. I was going to say, it feels like you're a problem. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's a me, it's my, it's my issue. It's not yeah. you guys. You guys are fine. I'm the one that has to go on Twitter and Instagram and tell everybody to calm down. My tweet, literally last night, I, I said to everybody, relax. It is still blowing up for whatever reason. I don't know why. And also, the difference between fans on Instagram and Twitter, completely different. Oh, it's so yeah. different. It's crazy. No, no, because here's the thing. On Twitter, everybody's agreement with me. Yeah, it's fine. No big deal. Come that Instagram, I get replies all the time. Oh, this is BS. Akira Schmidt should start in the playoffs. This, and I'm like, what the hell? It's funny too about those things that will, and because in that game in particular, I'll tie it back to it, but it's funny because social media wise, and by the way, life wise, when you're talking to a certain group of people that feel a certain way about a team or about any topic, it depends on what their demeanor is to it, right? Yes. Do they right. want to be nuanced? Do they want to be reactionary? Yeah. The funny thing about it though, you were at the, the game, your, your brother went disaster. He's a clearly a, a black mark on oh, this it's, franchise. It's, it's totally John Fault. <laughs> yeah. Last game that he'll, we've seen him at, but <laughs> in that game, it, 
as far as VTech's concerned and performance-wise, it was such a night and day from a defensive standpoint where just the game prior, we were praising the defense first period, 11 block shots, playing the passing lanes, being disruptive, and then they turn around the very next game and they yeah. go, no, guess what we can do for you, though? Yeah. We can also turn it over in the neutral zone, give you odd man rushes, and make it a mess. You know what it was? I think that was one of the worst second periods I've seen the Devils have and probably <laughs> oh, yeah. one of the worst periods of the year. It was so bad, the defensive breakdowns. I was so shocked that Dougie's play was horrendous. This could have been one of the worst defensive periods Dougie Hamilton has had all year. I'm sure, Neil, you agree with me on that, too. It was... It well, was this is what happens when we're not playing well. Dougie gets exposed oh, because, man. look, I love Dougie, okay? I love what he's doing offensively. He just doesn't play defense. He's very lazy defensively. I mean, I it just... I think like, that's do you see how many times about. like the puck slowly rolls back to our end and he's just like gliding his way back to get the puck? It's like, dude, yeah. hustle a little bit. Get it yeah. back. Let's go. He's shown he's shown that he's going to have those lapses. And of course, it's he makes up for it offensively, Adam. You see it obviously too. Yeah. But I think the thing for me is is everybody's putting that blame on VTech, which I never understood for the second period. He, some of the goals were soft. Listen, he probably could have saved two of those goals. You know what I mean? But cut your off goal. Day, I think he should have definitely stopped, in my opinion. Yeah, it's but how many times are you gonna see a two-on-one or a defensive breakdown in front of the net or you know, an opposing player getting a clear shot from the circle? You know, it's yes, he should make those saves. But mm-hmm. I'm going to be with Lindy Ruff on this, and I'm putting it on the defense because you cannot perform against Carolina the way you did and come in against Tampa, play a great first period, just get extremely unlucky. We talk about puck luck all the time on this podcast. Get extremely That's unlucky the name in of the, the show. first period. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> get extremely unlucky in the first period and then come out in the second period and look right. lost. It's like you're a completely mm-hmm. different team coming out for the second period. Okay, so yeah. I mean, there's something else I want, I want to get into rough here, I guess, a little bit because that's been a big topic too. Um, Marino, who we mentioned being brought into this team as well, he's over 88 points in terms of production on the season now, plus mm-hmm. 13. This is we said this the other day though, and it's, we don't even need to over discuss it. It's just he's kind of the guy that you know why sh- why you should love him is because you don't talk about him, right? The the best way that you can think about certain players when you're talking about getting into second and third lines and just production is if I don't have to say their name. That's probably the best case scenario. Like Marino is where he needs to be doing what he's supposed to be doing. I think a lot of times, even down to the third and fourth lines, that's what you'd like to have more of. So for for me, and I'm going to jump in here to something Nielsen in the beginning. I loved the Marino acquisition. I hated Ty Smith's game. I know that you did. <laughs> oh, you know. yeah, that's one of his. Yeah, I didn't. I was not a Ty Smith guy at all. I his I've never seen such poor play from a young defenseman the way he was, where he was so out of position a lot. But mm. I understand your argument completely because I was just – I was kind of like Miles Wood, you know, like how I'm a Miles Wood a now. Problem. I'm, just, I'm not really a Miles Wood fan, Neil. So if you listen to some I'm, of our past episodes – I mean, I've, I've kind of lost my steam with Miles Wood, especially <laughs> that he's hurt again. I'm just yeah. like, you know what? Like, he's not going to be here next year. Like, that's just what it's going to be. No, he's not. It's And you know, one of the just, reasons why we got Lazar is that reason. You know what I mean? Lazar's. Oh, yeah. Years. We're going to see a lot of Curtis Lazar yeah. moving forward, guys. I'm, yeah, but, I'm pretty going sure. Back to, but talking about Marino is Marino was my – you know, even above Palat, I like Marino acquisition that much. And I thought mm-hmm. that this was really going to solidify this defense because I watched him a lot with Pittsburgh too, you know? So I had an idea of who he was as a player and I thought he was going to fit this system really well. Mm-hmm. And man, he is, to me, he is the unsung hero of the defense core. Yeah. You know, he really is. And coming back from injury, you know, he had like three, four games. He wasn't getting as much ice time after his injury. Had a couple of rough moments, and like all our defensive players, there's been a few rough moments for everybody. But to yeah. me, I rely on him the most in the most important defensive spots. Yeah, let's talk. Um, it's, it's, it's a good point, and there's some of the little things you're just looking for. And by the way, 
like we said at the top, when the expectations change and you want this team to be in the playoffs and you want them to be dangerous, and now they are a dangerous team, all of a sudden those little things that you kind of can gloss over when you're a middle-of-the-pack team or a team that's going to miss the playoffs, it's a lot different yeah. now. Before is, we get into team moments, Is it ironic, by the yeah. way, guys, just really quickly, is it ironic that we acquired a dude with the last name Marino from Pittsburgh? Like, just, uh, just yeah. if you're a football fan, is it not yeah. ironic like I call John Marino Dan all the time, yep. and yeah, like I was, literally, I'm at games and I'll say like, "Yeah, good job, Dan." And I will have even older people look at me and be like, "What?" And then I have to explain it every time, and then they're like, "Oh, right, right, the football player." And I'm like, "Yeah, like." And I realize like being somebody who covers all sports for a living, not just hockey, I realize that not everybody knows every sport and every player. So yeah. it's like I have, you know, but you know, it's I just. I realized that recently how ironic that was that he came from Pittsburgh. Dan Marino, born and raised in Pittsburgh, went to yeah. Pitt. Um, I don't know, just some really random thought that I had in my head. I do that too, by the way. I, I I was calling him Dan like when he started, you know, the season too. When you just scream out because all fans do it, by the way. When we're at games, we scream the first name of players. You yeah. know what I mean? And say like if I was talking to McLeod, I'm like, let's go, Mikey. You're better than that, Mikey. Yeah, we do yeah. that. But we do. So right, you're now? screaming out Danny. You're screaming out Danny. Yeah. And you're and you're thinking, why isn't he making that pass 40 yards downfield? The receiver had the right. seam. And, and why then you he, come back? You and, come back to NHL. And, though. and why isn't he looking at me while he's on the ice? Yeah. Why can't he hear me? The other thing <laughs> is, and how come he doesn't have like a Jerry curl? Like, what's up with yeah, that? Right, right. Dan Marino, <laughs> Miami, uh, Dolphins, Ace Ventura, Hootie and the Blowfish. There's a circle of life here that I think really exists for people. <laughs> Frankly, Hootie and the Blowfish. I don't want to get off topic here. As I get off topic here, <laughs> go back and listen to some of those cuts, man. That music high, holds up surprisingly well for oh, a really '90s does. band. It's still it still cooks there a little bit, Neil. I'm sure you're going to be tapping into We're that. We're showing uh, our age a little bit here. Darius Drucker's still doing his thing, though, man. <laughs> fair, so there's no reason point, to knock it. Um, is Ruff messing around with the lines too much? That's something we've been talking about. Does it bother you? Because we, we've debated this. I said when you make a trade, and I've related it to other sports, you're talking about you know covering all sports. I cover the Giants. I cover the Nets. When you acquire new players, there's some tweaking that goes on. There's some testing that goes on. Now, yeah. there's also expectations for those players when they come in. We're going to talk about Timo. But do you think that Ruff should be setting it and forgetting it and seeing how it gels? Or are you comfortable with him kind of mix and matching a little bit here when you're not necessarily seeing the production you want? I think Jacques Vaughn should start Camp Thomas moving forward. That's the first thing I just want to say really quickly. He's, he's talking about med- <laughs> He's got to clean up his attic. He's got to clean up. I don't, I, by the way, this isn't even like he has to, I, I'm I sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to change subjects like oh, that, but I, I just want yeah, to no, say no, no. I'm okay. You guys are – there's going to be people watching this podcast like, what are these guys talking about right. right now? What is going on? Why are they talking yeah, about like, a French man? I don't understand <laughs> what I'm listening to. I'm a Nets fan too. So right. Yeah. Um, but to talk about Lindy Ruff, yeah, I mean – it doesn't bother it doesn't bug bug me as much before the game. It bugs me during the game. That's so yeah. I do not like that Lindy gives up on lines five <laughs> minutes into the game. Like he started like here here's here's a good example, right? Boquist, who I love by the way, and I think is actually one of the most underrated players on our team. It doesn't get talked about enough. He finally got a crack on the top six, and I thought he deserved the right to be up there with the way he's been playing on that third line. He gets a start against Washington, and Lindy Ruff gave up on that one shift. He had one shift, and then they went, all right, we're going back to Brad, Jack, and Timo again. And it's like, what was the point? What did, did you want Boquist to go and score a goal right away to, like, all of a sudden appease? Like, I, I feel like sometimes Lindy – what I'm trying to figure out the word, like, just – overreacts 
too quick. Like he just he reacts up, too quickly. He gave up the puck. That and I know exactly what you're talking about in the Caps game. And we were watching it actually at Amendment 21 in Point Pleasant here at the bar. And it was his first shift on that line, and he had an egregious turnover in the neutral zone. Boquist did. And you're right. And and exactly what you're saying. He gives up so easily when he sees that one play. And he's like, nope, that's it. We're gonna switch yeah. it up. And I think and, and I think totally a lot over. of that has to do with with simply we still have an incredibly young team and a lot of guys learning how to play. I'm not defending Lindy Ruff in any yeah. way. I'm just saying that is the mindset of him. But at some point, Lindy Ruff has to say to himself, look, when I don't touch the lines very much during the game, things eventually start to click. Yes. But if I keep screwing around with the lines the, the ga- second the game starts, there's no chemistry flowing there. There's nothing. You know, Absolutely. you ever wonder what – Look at the look at the first line. Look at our line of Mercer, Tatar, and Nico. He hasn't touched that in like six games, and it's worked <laughs> out just fine. Yeah. He he hasn't touched the third line of Palat, Hala, and Boquist. Working out just fine. For some reason, that second line he has to touch every single game. And I'm I pray to God that we just stop that because we got Timo Meyer for a reason. We yep. didn't just get him just to have him. We got him for a reason to help Jack out. Let them do what they need to do. They need time to work this out. It's going to come. Just got to give it some time. But in terms of changing up lines, it's just frustrating that he does it yeah. the second the game starts. Yeah. So uh, checking in here, if I look at my notes, Neil says fire rough. And I guess that's <laughs> what we can expect there. But you, you're, you're agreeing, though, just in the sense of like it's a young team. And I think that's, that's a little bit of part of the – not a problem. It's a good problem. When a team is achieving the way the Devils are achieving, you are hyper-focused on some of these issues. But we talked about it when they went through their losing streak after they had had a nice winning streak. Like, all of these things, do you think, do you agree just that Ruff is like, you got to, at some point, you have to accept growing pains, even knowing everything that's on the line for you down the last 14, 15 games of the season. Like, yeah, I get it. But there's no one else to go to, by the way, too, which is usually what you bring up. When you bring up a guy from the fourth line and you mix it up, it's what's the expectations. You're going to throw Wood in there and he's going to prove something that you didn't expect. Or Smith, no, it, You're right. And I agree with Neil 90% of the way. Here's here's the thing that I was okay with. 90% um, of the way. Yeah, what I was okay with was Boquist obviously going up to the second line. I was fine with that to reward him, right? Yeah. Randy Ruff has been the same way his entire career. If you look back at the Buffalo days and when he was coaching, he's always done this. He rewards players that are playing extremely well, and he's kind of demotes players that are like, what are you doing there, buddy? He did it to Brad. He put Brad on that third line, too. He wanted to promote Boquist, but he put Brad on that line because Brad has had some horrendous defensive play yeah. on that Jack, Timo, and Brad line, on the second line. So it's bad play. What is killing me? And, Neil, I don't know if you've heard me talk about this in other episodes. Mm-hmm. Leave Kevin Ball in the oh, lineup. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. In the lineup, Kevin Ball has shown such progress as a young player and promise as a strong defenseman going into the playoffs. So he's uh, this, this is the outlier of the guy that's actually being consistent. And Ruff's like, nah, maybe not. But because he had one bad game. Right. He came out and, and Smith played two games because Ball had a bad game. And I get well, it. I get also that. Also, Lindy I, leans towards his veteran guys. Like, Brendan yeah. Smith. I mean, like, first of all, I don't know why we signed Brendan Smith to a two-year contract. I don't right. really get that. 
Um, but to piss everybody off, I guess. You know? <laughs> yeah. simple. I mean, he's doing a good job of it. There's yeah. no question about it. I mean, it's not, it's not necessarily Lindy that gave him the contract. It's more, fit, well, listen, you know, it's we're more, not even playing tonight. And Brendan Smith is taking a two minute penalty right now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. If you're reading this right now, Brendan Smith's in the box, two minutes for slashing. Like that's literally, you know, like that's the thing. Kevin Ball had, you know, he started the year off slow. Then he went back down to Utica. Then he came back in like late December. And since like the turn of the new year, like a lot of guys, he took his opportunity and ran with it. Very good defensively. He's not going to score a lot of points, and that's fine. And he's starting to be more physical. The dude is six foot eight and over two hundred pounds. When he said, when he was introduced by the Devils, he did an interview and he was like, "Oh, I'm more of an offensive defenseman." I was like, "You're six foot eight and you're an offensive <laughs> defenseman. Does that make any sense? What you no, just he, said? He wanted to be an offensive defenseman. That's the funny, <laughs> but thing he's not. No, it's he's like not Mason Geertsen wants to be a goal scorer, but the dude sucks." Everybody like, loves his that's hair, though. literally what I look at. Everybody loves his hair, though, Gearston. Everybody's talking about his yeah, hair. Good, 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 you know? Great. Oh, no, great. You're exactly can, right. He can have that nice flow in Utica the rest of his career. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> you're, you're exactly right with Ball, you know? And, and, Adam, we talked about this a lot, too. What the Devils needed, obviously, with acquiring Timo especially, was that physicality. And he is a piece of that physicality, Ball. And he's yeah. been really, really good against the boards, which I love seeing. That's probably one of the, the most important parts of his game. <laughs> is winning those puck battles in the deep parts of the ice. Let's talk about Timo. That's obviously the thing to close out our conversation here with, by the way, uh, Neil from Devil State of Mind. It's scrolling across the bottom of the screen in case anybody doesn't know about it, and we're having a blast doing it. So hopefully this will be the uh, the first of many crossovers we get to do. Absolutely. Timo, from a physical offensive player, did lay a nice hit in what was a bad loss <laughs> against Tampa. Here is Timo Meyer with one point and assist. Uh, he had the shootout goal, obviously, against Washington. He had just one goal in his final five games with San Jose as well. Um, what What is more surprising to you? The initial lack of production for him as he gets acclimated and figures things out with Jack Hughes and whoever else Ruff wants to mix and match there, or some of the mistakes we've seen from him? There's been some dumb penalties. There's been some bad turnovers. Like I think just from an expectation standpoint, it was, well, you're coming in to alleviate the pressure on Jack Hughes and let him play freer hockey. That hasn't quite materialized yet over a very, very small sample size. I think it's more of the fact that he's taken almost a penalty in every single game he's played um, and some of the bad passes. I mean, look at the Mitch Marner goal that uh, that the Leafs scored last week. What happened? It was Timo just making a dumb pass that resulted in a breakaway chance for Marner. Um, it's like the simple mistakes, and you say to yourself, why is he doing that? Well, it's a combination of this. First and foremost, it very rarely happens that a player of Timo's caliber or even a guy like Patrick Kane immediately goes into a team's lineup and immediately rocks the world. Now, you know, Timo got a goal in his first game. Everything's fine. Everything he's got, he got himself, you know, an assist. You know, he's, he's slowly getting there. But Todd Cordell of Inferno Access put this out yesterday, either last night or early this morning. He had said straight up that from an analytical perspective and just everything, Timo Meyer has had so many opportunities to score. Mm -hmm. He's had a lot more bad luck than anything else. Mm -hmm. So if you look at expected goals, he probably should have three or four at this point with everything going. You can see that the chemistry between Jack and Timo is getting there. It's just that you're asking both of these guys to develop chemistry over the next 15 games and then into the playoffs. And if it doesn't fully work out the first time around, you know, the rest of this way, 
It's not the end of the world either because we know what Timo can bring. We know what he can do. Remind you, he had an upper body injury when we acquired him. Who knows what that upper body injury is? You don't get to know. It's the NHL. Upper body, lower body. That's your problem. (laughs) No, you only get to know. You only get to know when the season's end and you find out Tyler Sagan played an entire playoff year with like a ruptured Achilles or whatever the hell it was. Like that's literally it's the crazy thing is I still can't believe that thinking about that. That's unbelievable to think about. Neil said straight up, tell me. Is it really going to be you and me together? Is that what Timo Meyer and Jack Hughes are asking each other? Because you know who got punished? It was Jesper Bratt. I know it wasn't playing great, but you know what they weren't going to no, do listen, was take one of them and move them off listen, the second line while these guys try to figure it out. I'm with Neil on this. They need time to develop. And yeah. it goes back to what Neil was this saying. This is the patience piece, by the way. The patience piece for the fan base is like – Same thing with having Bratt on that line as well. Like, like you can't just keep dropping Bratt up and down. Of course his confidence is not going to be where it needs to be because you, you don't give him enough chances to get himself going. Yeah, I think it's I think it's really Jack that's really pressing the most out of the three players. You know, I like him better these last couple of games, even in the no, loss. He, yeah, he is playing better. I think that when he came back from his injury too, he was just gripping the stick way too tightly. He was just trying to make way too many passes that he didn't need to make. And we talked about it in the Canes game. He simplified his game. Yeah, he had amazing forechecking game. He was phenomenal defensively too. So it's. It's all about the simplification of their game. Yeah. And it goes back to what you're saying, Neil. Keep this line together. Let's see them develop. Let's see them work it out. Let's see them figure it out. That's part of the game. That's part of the process. We're not in the playoffs yet, but we're getting close to the playoffs. So if there's going right. to be mistakes, now's the time to make those mistakes. And Adam, when we were at the Canes game, we we're like, this is like a completely different player. Yes. You know, it's, yeah. it, it, he was calm. He was relaxed. But he got that confidence by scoring that goal that quickly. I got to be honest with you too. Um, There was nothing more poorly timed on my part (laughs) than following the trade. When we said, who's going to benefit the most? And I was like, baby, it's got to be Jesper Bratt. (laughs) And within about 16 seconds, they were like, we're going to put him down the third line. We're going to take him (laughs) off this one. So it was like, that that's a part of the expectations too. And, And frankly, I think it's one of the reasons why the fan base does start to get a little panicky is because if your coach is going to be making those kind of quick adjustments, it, it's yeah. signaling something. At least you think it's signaling something. It's more mind games with Roth and trying to punish players and inspire them to get back on track. And that's fine. Like, whatever your yeah. approach is, I'll judge it based on what the results are. But there yeah. is a little bit of that. You know, I swing with the tides here. And that's what makes the fan base react that way. And keep in mind here as well is that while the Devils haven't officially clinched the playoff spot, they're still very much in a comfortable position. Right now, what I think is going on is that Lindy Ruff is trying to figure out what is going to work once we get in the playoffs? That's yeah, why you yeah, keep seeing yeah. different things happening. He's trying to figure out what it is. Bryce Salvador said it last night that this team needs to treat every last of these 15 games, regardless who they play, like it's game seven of the playoffs because yeah. you have to have the mentality. And it's hard, too, because you guys talk about Jack is gripping his stick. He is, I think, starting to feel the pressure, not because he's the star player and everybody's going to go after him, but because – we're going into the playoffs, yeah. and now we got to get ready for that. And you have three quarters of your team who have never played in the playoffs, let alone even come close to a Stanley Cup. They showed a stat last night. We have one guy on this team who has won a cup, and that is a lot. You don't count John. The, you know, you don't count John at the Bernier because he hasn't played all year, so he don't count. But like, that's what I'm saying. We, we go back to what Adam and I spoke about last episode. It's that this NHL season is so grueling for young kids physically, but mentally, 
Yeah, this yeah, is mentally. all about the mental state of their game and really understanding mm-hmm. the moments that they're in. And Neil, your yeah. your point, Palat's the only guy that really has that playoff experience like that, you know? Yeah. And that's yeah. won a cup. So it, it's you think about what's going through these young kids' head, knowing that for the six core guys, you know, that that we obviously know, the Timo, the Jack, the Brat, Mercer, Hamilton. So these guys, there's so much pressure on them, especially the kids that are under 24 years old. There's so much pressure on them. And it's it's being put into those moments. And I get why people are upset with Lindy Ruff and how it's just kind of wishy-washy and back and forth with these lines. I get Ruff's mentality. And it's not that I'm so against it, but at some point, Neil, like you're saying, let's keep these lines together yep. for the entire game. No matter if there's a dirty turnover that you want to throw something as hard as you can <laughs> against the floor or against the wall in anger, yeah. keep these lines together. Let's figure it out in game with these defensive turnovers and let's keep grinding. Let's grind yeah. and let's figure out what's going to work best in the playoffs. And this is where also like just to give a quick example of a different sport, it's like when you have a rookie quarterback and you don't want to be in a situation where the first chance he makes a mistake, he gets pulled. Like, yeah. you know, when Kurt Warner was with the Giants back in like 2004 and Eli was a rookie, Kurt Warner kept coming off the bench whenever Eli would make a mistake. And Kurt Warner went to Tom Coughlin and said, look, The only way that that this kid's going to have any success and believe in himself and grow confidence is that he's not constantly looking over his shoulder every time he makes a mistake. You let him learn. You let him grow. You let him develop. And that's what Lindy Ruff has to start doing. Allow these guys to make mistakes. Allow them to figure it out. When he doesn't touch the lines, when he allows these guys to just play, you can see the success there. That's what... And that's why also like playing Tampa, three of our next four games, you know, obviously including uh, last night is good for this team because it allows them to say, look, you're facing the cream of the crop right now. A team that has been to the East, that has won the Eastern Conference three consecutive years, won the Stanley Cup two of the last three. They, they know how to get it done. They've been in every situation. They Before they won a cup, they got swept in the first round of the playoffs by the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah, no, like they went through. They went through the ringer. They went through the embarrassment and they came out eventually victorious. This is what this Devils team is learning. To go from being a doormat to not only a playoff team, but one of the top teams. They're not going into the playoffs as a wild card team, just getting in. They're kind of free will. They're going to have a lot of pressure going into the playoffs because people are looking at them as a team that not only can make a deep run, but could possibly win a Stanley Cup. I'm not certainly looking at that and saying, we got to win a cup this year. We're not in the Rangers position. We're just getting started. We're, we have just, we have just slightly opened the door. We haven't kicked in the door just yet. So just let the guys learn from their mistakes, grow from it. And go from there. The only way they're going to figure it out is if you let them play without the fear every time if they make one mistake, even if it's minor, they get sh- they get benched or they get sent down to the third or fourth line. It, it, that's not a recipe for success with a <laughs> no, team. You, that's not trying to win. you can hear you can hear you can hear it in Neil. There's excitement. There's passion. <laughs> there's joy. There's also frustration. There's also a little bit of anger. Like and by the way, that's a part of being a Devils fan. Part of being a sports fan yeah, in general. And, and Dan has talked about that. About they're young. This isn't the, this isn't the end of the journey. This is literally the infancy of it. So go ahead and let these guys find their rhythm. Deal with the growing pains. 
champions. Let's see what happens in the playoffs. Don't start setting expectations. And honestly, when we started to come on to do this episode, I knew the way that time counts, if I'm not correct, 15 to 20 reads out about 42, 51 going on 43 minutes, which I knew this was going to be, though, because we know that, Neil, uh, we're going to wrap up here, and we'll plan to get back together as the playoffs approach, as we get into the playoffs. I don't even want to start talking about what do you want to see them do, right? Because we, like, start to put our toe in that water and then think there's still a long ways to go here. But let's close out on this question. Your name is Neil Villapiano, but like that's Italian. Would you prefer if everybody, I'm not just talking about me. Do you want a little more like the Villapiano? Like, do you want a little bit of, a little bit of something on there? Or have you kind of Americanized yourself? No, I I would say that I would prefer to have a little bit more Italian spice in it. I mean, I'm not, I don't look at myself as somebody that just has an Italian last name, but is straight up an American. Like I, I'm very proud of my Italian roots. I mean, basically what I'm trying to say is that my family is the very typical Ginzo family. And what I mean by that (laughs) That is is this, number one, we live in a brick. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. ahead, Finish your sentence. I was going to (laughs) say, you know, my house is my house is a brick house, which is a very typical Italian thing to do. Yeah. We have a brick oven. That tells you all you need to know right there. And we make our own wine in my basement. So right, like right. this I'm is again way. the whole we we you know, and I tell people just listen to my full last my full name with my confirmation name in it, and that will tell you exactly what needs what that'll give you the answer right there. So I would that say definitely nice. more Italian yeah, vibe. Got a confirmation, like, middle name. Neil, second, I'm coming over. Name. We're gonna have some of the wine. We're gonna make some of the pizza. We're gonna have a good time. All right, that's what it's about. Yeah, it's, sounds well, listen, good. My last name's McDonough. His is Armbrecht, and we're mostly Italian, so it's uh, there you go. You know, people don't know it. You know. Anyway, <laughs> um, this has been a bar burner. This has been absolutely incredible, yeah, man. Awesome. Neil Villapiano <laughs> of the uh, Devil's State of Mind podcast. You see it scrolling across the bottom here as well. You get them at devil's state over on twitter for the podcast he's on the hockey podcast network with that show it's also the nvp show for your personal account anywhere else that people need to know you need to find you need to watch you need to love you yeah so also i'm on instagram at devil's state of mind uh so you can check me out on there uh we also do have a facebook page as well so if you just happen to still have a facebook at this point in 2023 um first of all why second of all if you do <laughs> Please give us a like. That would really be really be appreciated. Uh, new episodes out every Monday and Thursday. So we'll have an episode out for Thursday. We just spoke with Sam Nessler, who now covers the New Jersey Devils after covering the Dallas Stars. Um, and you can find the podcast wherever you listen to the podcast. Just search Devil's State of Mind. And if you're on Apple or Spotify, do yourself a favor and give me a five-star rating. And also give a five-star rating to these two beautiful gentlemen right here as well. We really, really would appreciate it. Tell them that your boy Neil Villapiano sent you over. Um, and yeah, that's all I got to say. Other than that, just sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports book of the Devil State of My Podcast. Use promo code THPN. Love Listen, it. man, that's a businessman. That's a professional. Yeah. It's a pro's pro. <laughs> Neil, you're the man. Really appreciate you, brother. And we'll definitely be uh, talking throughout the rest of the season and into the playoffs and even in the offseason. This is a, a great relationship that I could speak for Adam. We're looking forward to. I'm looking forward to it as well. And guys, you're definitely coming on Devil State of Mind very, very soon. So stay Let tuned for that as well. Ready. You got it. We'll catch up soon, Neil. What are our three secret words so far? Schmid. A lot. A lot and tuna. And then Ruff will be the fourth. Yeah. We'll do one more. So there's going to be five total. So okay. say that too. 
Oh, baby. So that was Neil Villapiano from the Devil State of Mind podcast. Obviously, I mean, listen, we already know that everybody around Devils know him. If you want to have somebody who obviously has quality content, who obviously has a great knowledge around not only this season, but past seasons and the history of the Devils, um, he's a great follow. So go do that, man. We, we can't wait to be catching up with him. We're already talking about doing some great collaborations as well. But before we get out the door, because that conversation was so good, Danny, um, we didn't even get to bring up the game we're recording this on wednesday night thursday night the rematch against the tampa bay lightning coming into it at least as of wednesday some possible misses possible scratches here Mm -hmm. coming into this game that are going to affect the uh, depth yeah we see that wood and bastion are banged up bastion we knew was banged up wood was not on the ice today too what's kind of crazy is the devils have practiced like three or four times in march that's it i think it's three times in march crazy to think about and it goes goes back back to to the the young kids and the playing and not burning them out and sometimes you have to live and by the boy what a great thing expectations for this game but what a great thing a reminder to bring up here when you see the team sometimes struggling and you have new players like Timo Meyer, we're yeah. hoping to see more of Lazar. There's only going to be so many opportunities to develop that chemistry right. anywhere else other than in game on the ice. Which is exactly what we're talking about with Neil. Like you said, let's keep the lines together throughout the game, even though if they struggle, let's work through it. But yeah, we'll see if Wood plays. Um, I think he's probably going to draw it for a game. I'm going to say that maybe Wood is, uh, listen, I've talked kind of poorly about Wood sometimes on this podcast but wood wood's a trooper you know that dude's tough so if he can't he's a mahogany it's a tough wood or a balsa no balsa soft it's yeah. a soft wood mahogany no mahogany strong yeah. mahogany yeah. but no he listen this dude is tough so if he can get out there he's going to get out there um bastion is probably going to be out so you're going to see lazar again maybe sharon govich draws back into the hey. lineup so you know we'll see what goes on but there's going to be some mixing and matching with that fourth line so you know, let's see what goes on. Taking a look here, we've got the Devils minus 135 on the money line. The over-under is six and a half, which, by the way, guys, here's what I've learned over the course of this podcast. The line's always basically six and a half. Yeah. It's only once been six. Yeah, with the Devils especially. They yeah. got that offensive firepower. You're usually going to see six and a half. Rarely are you going to see six. I'm staying away from betting this game completely. There's no bets for me at all this game. I'll have one. No Follow us on social. I'll find something. You'll find something. What, what are your expectations for this one after a disastrous yeah, performance? Full 60 minutes. You know what I mean? Let's come out strong and They fast. always play 60. Three periods. Yeah, I know. 20 minutes. They got to complete. They got to play it. Oh, they have to play they for 60. I get complete. it. Yeah. You're going to make your defensive breakdowns. It's going to happen. Let's eliminate the amount. Let's eliminate the odd man rushes. Please. Um, we just want to see more of that development from the second line, you know, from the Timo, Jack, and Brat line, which we're going to assume they're going to be together. Um, yeah. We want to see that development. You know, Neil brought up a good point. I think that the goals are going to come for Timo. I think the more of the assists are going to come from Timo. You saw that Spinorama shot on the only goal they yes. had against Tampa where he had an amazing shot that Severson cleaned up. He was in the right place, right time. Those are going to start to fall for Timo. I think you're going to start to see the goals. So everybody, like we talked about, let's calm down a little bit. Everything's going to be fine. Let's regroup. This is a great test, as we were talking about with Neil. This is a phenomenal team in Tampa that has the veteran experience. It's a tough matchup for us, but we can win this game. Yeah, and I I think it's just, again, you mentioned it going into the Tampa game. The first one, it just mattered about playing consistent, playing well. It wasn't about winning or losing necessarily. Mm -hmm. Then they play inconsistent. They don't play well, and that's now you you reset it, and that's what you say you want to see from them here. I'd like to see that second line, man. Give me a sample size 
where one, two, and three of the on the offensive lines are all clicking for a game. Because then we start to see how dangerous this, this team can be and how quickly you can bury teams. We've talked about the come from behind. Sure. We all thought maybe that was possible against Dan. It didn't work out that way. But it's going to be fun to watch that. And I continue to look at the defensive recovery from the offensive lines. You need yeah. to be there, especially it's... in pinching situations. And that goes both ways. Yeah. Defensemen don't start pinching unless you know someone's going to be yeah, there to cover it's for not you. Only that you don't want to see Jack minus two. You don't, you don't want to see problem. being minus two in a game. It, it's just, it's a bad feeling obviously. And more so is that first power play unit is not playing like oh, a yeah, first you mentioned power that play too. unit. Yeah. You know, so we need to see that development. I'm really hoping they worked on it a lot at practice today because it looked very slip shoddy. Um, and I think our power play two line is our better power play unit right now. Trust the lineups, stay with them. That's a message for Coach Ruff, and it's what makes him our word of the day. Ruff is the fourth word out of five in line to receive two tickets from Danny McDonough yeah. for the 321, the March 21st game against the Wild, and you have two choices, pair of tickets, you can be in my regular season tickets, which are row one mezzanine right about center here. ice. Right about here. Great tickets, great seats. Or or you can be lower bowl. You're gonna be Go over here. You're gonna be about 15 rows off the ice and you're gonna be corner ice. Go so over there. whatever you, start you guys up want. here. And then you walk up the stairs, you go around, you got to go down the outside of the stairs, but then you get back underneath, you go through the curtains, and then you go down, and you can be right there. So you got two chances, two options, four keywords. Today was rough. That was great. We string them all together. We're going to blast it out over on social media, and it's basically going to come down to, it's going to be time, going to be time stamped. First fan that lists all five of those keywords, which are all names, I'll give you that mm -hmm. much. You're going to be the one that gets the choice of where you want to sit at that upcoming Devils game. That's what we're doing on the podcast. I want to add, too, is I appreciate everybody DMing us the, the keywords already when uh, tweeting out or putting <laughs> on a story. They're already mentioning it in the DMs and everything. I'm not the way that, but by the way, that's well, not the way that works. You have to give all five yes. in one message. So yes. we're not no credit for putting them in. Although, what you do get credit for is subscribing to the podcast, yes. subscribing on YouTube, following us, sharing it, turning on the alerts so you see when our new episodes go up, sharing it with your friends, leaving a review, following at Danny the Face on Twitter, mm -hmm. following at Adam Armbrecht on Twitter, following NJ Devil PL over on Twitter as well. The handle which uh, I am going to change because I got confused at the infancy of it. We got to be more direct with that. So that'll be coming. Also, and one last thing, friends. This hat right here. You may remember it. This is the hat that was purchased at the Canes game. The game where the devil shut out those Hurricanes 3-0. I said I'd break it out for big moments and special occasions. Oh, I didn't think you were going to put it on right now. Oh, this one premieres on Thursday, my friends. It is a Thursday. It's Tampa Bay. Second of a back-to-back -back against them, obviously. Let's wear the luck. Player to watch. Oh, I thought you meant me. No. Oh, I apologize. Flair to watch Thursday's game. Go. I'm going to watch McLeod because he's like been it. playing really consistently for them, and you need that that level of, of focus when it comes to the defensive side of things. I like that. My player to watch is Timo. I think it's time for him to break out. Go on and assist. Hey. Hey. I like that. Guys, thank you so much for supporting us. Big thanks to Neil again. Absolutely fantastic conversation with him. More of those to come with great content creators and some names from around the New Jersey Devils universe until the next episode following a New Jersey Devils win. Remember, just like the man on the ice, all things are going to be gravy.